Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where a bunch of nerdy-ass comic book readers talk about comics based on a bunch of nerdy-ass voice actors that play Dungeons & Dragons. But first, to talk about our sponsor, D&D Beyond, it's Lance. D&D Beyond is definitely not our sponsor, but if it was, we'd have a great song parody involving a topical issue, some silly costumes, and lots of puns. So many puns. And how about merch, Laura? Uh, it's Jeremy. Eh, whatever. Well, you have a merch store with t-shirts and stickers. And, okay, uh, well, we're we out of time. If there's nothing else, I think we're good to go ahead and dive into our fantastical journey of Vox Machina Origins in tonight's episode of Comic Book Keepers. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about Vox Machina Origins. But first, let's welcome back our friend to the show, friend to us, and creator of the Geekly Grind, Jeremy Snow. Hey, that's me. Jeremy. Welcome back. Hi, thanks. Yeah, we just had you on our uh, Doctor Strange episode, so it's nice to have you back so soon. Yeah, thank you. It's it's always a pleasure to be here and, and seeing you guys in real life and then rushing home and seeing you digitally as well and, and recording <laughs> these podcasts. Always a good time. Always fun. All aspects. Yes. Yeah. I, I want to bring up the fact that, yes, we are very good friends and we go out and we see Doctor Strange together and we do lots of fun things. But in actuality, we might not even be friends if it wasn't for the subject matter of today's episode with critical role fox marketing origins that's a little weird yeah yeah it's yeah. strange because our group kind of expanded when we had this gaming group we had our buddy weston who everyone that listens to our podcast will recognize his name because he's the one that actually created our theme song and he's made quite a few of the music that we use in the background of segments and he basically tricked our group into slowly moving into the D&D world. And once we had been, well, once we had become obsessed with it, uh, we started building that friend group and, and building our party. And that's when both Chris and Jeremy were added to our friend group. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, Weston. I, I had grown more interested. I had been seeing Weston watching this show. At lunchtime uh, in the break room at Apple. And I remember tapping him on the show, uh, on the shoulder a couple of times being like, what, what is this? What are you, what are you watching? And he's like, oh, it's called Critical Role. And it's a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors who, you know, play Dungeons and Dragons. And I had played some tabletop games when I was younger, played a little, little bit of D&D, but mostly I played a game called Big Eyes, Small Mouth, um, which was an edit. <laughs> It's an anime-based tabletop game. Um, just y'all are learning a lot about me right now, um, but it, it actually was pretty, uh, pretty a fun game. Anyway, so that was like the extent of my like tabletop experience. 
And uh, I was like, man, I, I really want to play some some D&D. <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> we don't have time in this episode for these questions. This is off mic. Off mic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I learned about um, Tabletop that way. And I want to play D&D. And Weston was like, oh, yeah, well, I have a D&D game. And I said, well, I, I'd love to join. Do you have space at the table? And he said, yes. And so I went to CES that year. So I went to the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. And rather than going out partying with my friends in Vegas while I was at CES, I was actually in my hotel room with a copy of the player's handbook making my character for the game <laughs> when I was at CES. Because when I got back, we we started our game. Um, yeah, so that was my intro to this zany group that we're in now. So, Yeah, and it's it's literally changed a lot of our lives <laughs> in some yeah. ways so thank you to critical role i mean it, it's this we'll hear this kind of story with a lot of people that listen to critical role or watch critical role and now with critical role being in the cartoon marketplace and and it's on its third season or third campaign rather yep, uh, yep. for its live stream so it's it's pretty uh, I, i'd say genre shaking or or from a from a type of show that from a type of gaming style, I mean, it really brought, it helped bring D and D to the forefront that it's it's in right now. That's kind of like it's a heyday. So uh, we hope this continues, and and Critical Role is definitely uh, doing some great things. So, um, but first to talk about the, the sort of bio, let's let's just delve into Vox Machina itself as a group um, in the comics because there have been comics that have been made. That's what we're going to be focusing on today. That's kind of our our excuse for <laughs> talking about Critical Role <laughs> is because there are some really uh, there's some fun comics that were made um, Vox Machina Origins. So we're going to delve into that. Jeremy, you want to talk about the kind of uh, bio of this? Yeah, absolutely. So so Vox Machina is the adventuring party featured in the first campaign of the successful D&D live stream known as Critical Role. The adventuring party is a semi-typical high adventure party that starts off as a bunch of mixed-matched rejects, and despite their faults, wants to do the right thing and stop evil and maybe earn some coin and notoriety on, along the way, like we all do, right? Uh, the comic book had the opportunity to tell the story of the characters uh, before the live stream. Uh, it, it basically depicts the early sessions of how the party meets, it fleshes out the world a bit, and plants seeds for what kind of characters Vox Machina will grow into. The comic serves not just as a nod to fans of Campaign 1, but also shows would-be RPG players that their characters can be and do more than just hack and slash their way through a dungeon. Gets to kind of flesh out more of the nuance of, of the character development hmm. character arc. Uh, this comic is based on notes from a story when these voice actors were around a kitchen table, not on camera, and just having fun and learning the game. They probably struggled, played cliched tropes, and apparently got drunk off mimosas quite a bit. But despite the early bumps, it got better. Uh, normally, I'm hesitant about origin stories. Sometimes they make things worse. But this feels different because it's a 2D medium and it causes the reader to form the voices, uh, effects, and worlds that even if you're not a fan, it still can make it entertaining. So it's, it's a different way of, of engaging with this, uh, this medium in this story, which is awesome. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to point out is that even this group who are polished professionals and arguably set the standard for what 
some D and D playing is, and that that's an arguable point, but you know, for another day. But I mean, it it is very popular for a good reason. Some people just like to watch. But even at the beginning, they struggled, and and they there were people that didn't know how to play. Uh, Sam Regal famously has said, like, I didn't know anything, and I'm just going into this. And he's he wanted to play the worst race and the worst class. And so that's why I picked Gnome Bard as kind of a joke and ended up being just such a great character. So, um, and I love Gnomes, but I think they're great. Uh, so I think that's just important to, it's, it's fun to see the early struggles and kind of the, the, the kerfuffles of, of those uh, early sessions too. Yeah. And I just, I just want to highlight the fact that, or, or just reemphasize the point of, even if you have never seen this live stream D and D show on Twitch and because it is hundreds, if not thousands of hours at this point long for the multiple campaigns that they've done, you do not need to have watched a single minute of it to enjoy this comic book series because mm-hmm. it is, because it is extremely well-written, very engaging and just gets you excited about a, a fantasy world. Yeah, that's good to point out. Well, since this book is called Origins, we're going to get into the origin. So the whole story is kind of an origin story of the group, not necessarily of each individual characters, but it's more of an origin of the team, how they came together and made relationships out of unlikely allies. And it very much takes its time over several issues to introduce three pairs of adventurers. So it's time to cast legend lore and go into the character bios and it should be noted that we're only going to go over names, aliases, powers, and weapons, etc. from the comics, not from the live stream. So we're not going to be going over later titles and nicknames and things like that, like Meat Man and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. The Grand Mistress at Lady of the Grey Hunt. And so, so calm down, nerds. Okay, we, we know what we're doing. <laughs> I like how you said we're not going to do that, but we literally just listed all of them. Yeah. So the first six issues focuses on the original formation of Vox Machina. This party is initially comprised of Vex, Vax, Keyleth, Tiberius, Grog, and Scanlan. Vex is a half-elf ranger. She is also known as Vexalia. That's her full name, uh, uh, first name. Uh, She's called Stubby by Vax, her brother, and Vax by everyone that mistakes her for her brother because they're twins. Vex doesn't easily trust people and would much rather rely on herself and her brother and just leave it like that. But that sort of changes. That's a good character arc for her. She loves her bear trinket as a ranger, and she loves negotiating for a better deal. She uses a longbow and arrows and has some magical abilities and nature senses that come in handy. Dragon sense. Uh, Vax is a half elk Half elf, half elk. Half <laughs> That's a completely different race that we throw in this game. We're, we're skipping ahead to Keyleth now. <laughs> yeah. V- Vax is a half elf rogue, also known as Vaxeldon, and is the twin brother of Vex. Uh, he's also called Scrawny by Vex, Stringbean by Pike, and uh, various other things. Uh, the sneaky assassin, he's broody and snarky, but extremely loyal to those he cares about. Vax uses several daggers, poisons, and the ability to hide whenever possible. Dagger, dagger, dagger. Keyleth is a half-elf druid. is called Antlers. <laughs> Minxy, when she's in her saber-toothed tiger form. Majesty or Highness by Tiberius. And she has the power to commune with nature, turn into various animals as a druid, and create elemental spells as an Arashari. But it's her confidence that really holds her back. 
and ultimately or lack a, thereof right yeah <laughs> lack of confidence uh lack of confidence uh grog is a half giant barbarian now in the original stream he was a goliath but they've sort of changed it to half giant for like legal reasons because the term goliath is owned by watsi and wizards of the coast uh he's also called big man by scanlan and by some other people um his rage and battle can only be matched by his loyalty to his friends grog's simple understanding of the world is what makes him so charming and he uses several large weapons throughout the comics but mostly uh, a great axe is his preferred weapon of choice he's hilarious and he's very funny he's yeah. so funny um, Scanlan is the other really funny character, I'd say, and he is a gnome bard, as we've mentioned before. He's called himself Burt Reynolds when he's in disguises, and he has other various disguises as well uh, later in the series and later in, in the stream. He's the philandering fool of the group as a bard, uh, is often the, the butt of many jokes and makes a lot of jokes and is often singing uh, the spells that he has to kind of create you know, chaos. Uh, Scanlan's arcane spells and musical shenanigans are not just levity in tense situations, but he's the face man. He's ready to talk his way out of any situation rather than just use force or a bunch of spells. But when it comes down to it, his magical tricks are supporting and very sneaky. Tiberius is a dragonborn sorcerer. He is born. Uh, he, he leaves the group a little early in the second arc. Um, but for the first arc, he's he's a highborn arcane caster. He comes from a very um, highborn family of dragonborns. And he's very arrogant, long-winded, blustery when provoked. Um, he's capable of very powerful magics when he's needed. And, and he's honestly like a really fun kind of character. He's like this kind of snooty old man, but, but, but in a dragon form. Um, and also breathes fire. So that's kind of fun. Um, in the second arc, they're joined by the other members of Vox Machina proper, which is Pike, a gnome cleric, also called Pickle and Monster. Um, Pike becomes the group's cleric, extremely handy around undead, healing, and a good friend when it's needed. Pike is MVP. Yeah, she's also kind of the group's moral moral compass. <laughs> yeah, and she's, you know, she's crazy strong. Like early on, I think she gets uh, the gauntlets that give her crazy high strength so she's yeah uh one of the only ones who can kind of go toe-to-toe -to -toe, uh, with grog sometimes with grog, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in feats of strength which is hilarious they're super good friends too like yes, yes. um and finally we have percival frederick stein von musel klowalski Dorolo the <laughs> third did i say that right uh a human fighter gunslinger aka percy or freddy by vax he is the intelligent fighter of the group highborn and extremely precise but also with a very dark past and a growing seed for revenge, which will come to fruition if you've watched the animated show. He has a firearm that he's constructed, the only one of its kind in this high fantasy world, as well as a lot of other tinkery kind of um, things that he makes along the way. Uh, antagonists, there are many, but some of the notable ones, we have Zeth, the Clasp, uh, the Watchman, basically modeled after Eric from the old D&D &D cartoon. Did you guys notice that? Um, Iselda, who is the main villain of the first arc, uh, who ends up being a Merolith. Uh, the Servant, who is a flesh golem, very creepy. The Myriad, Drath Mefrun, who is a lich. Uh, the Skeleton of Stonejaw Strongjaw, who is Grog's father, but he's dead, but he comes back as a undead. Uh, giant sharks, giant spiders, bog babies, and basilisks, uh, among other monsters, just to name a few. That last little few sound like a band. Yeah. 
bog babies and basilisks this friday at the abyss it's bog baby followed by strong jaw <laughs> <laughs> tip your waitresses everyone headline headlined by basilisk and servant of the flesh column <laughs> hosted by eric <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right well now that we got our concert lineup how about we go into the archives Critical Role was originally from the mind of Matthew Mercer, the dungeon master for this entire series. And I believe that within these comics that Matthew Mercer uh, assisted with writing, but there are two other writers that one was associated with series one, and there is another writer that we will get to that wrote series two and three. Critical Role kind of began because one of the other members of the party, Liam O'Brien, asked Matt to run a D&D one-shot for his birthday. And that game ended up starting at, on the Pathfinder TTRPG game, or the tabletop role-playing game, which later turned into Critical Role set in the world of Exandria, which is what Matthew Mercer created. Before they switched it over and brought it over to Geek & Sundry to start doing their live stream show, they converted it from Pathfinder to Dungeons and & Dragons, and Matt actually created the Gunslinger class specifically for Percy. Aside from Critical Role, Mercer is most known for his work as a voice actor in film, TV, anime, and video games. The writer for the first series of Vox Machina Origins is Matthew Colville. He was the lead writer on 2015's video game Evolve. He was the designer in a tabletop business actually working on a Dune collectible card game and RPG that was made in the late 90s, which is now relevant because of how popular Dune is after that new live action film that came out. I mean, it was a great movie. The latest Dune movie was really good. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, I wonder if there was any resurgence of people playing the tabletop role-playing game of Dune after the movie came out. <laughs> well, there's a great board game too, Dune Imperium, which is fairly recent and, and also really good. Anyway, okay. Yeah. He also worked on the 2000s uh, Star Trek RPG game, and he actually started a YouTube channel running Dungeons & Dragons around 2016 to great success, resulting in him creating additional content, including RPG products, novels, live streams, and much more through the now well-established MCDM Productions. And I just want to chime in, like, if anybody is listening to this and they're like, well, I don't play D&D, but I'm interested in this, uh, look up Matthew Colville or MCDM on YouTube, and he's one of the best people to listen to as a player, or if you're getting into DMing, there's tons of just like how to play, how to how to run the group, what to do if you run into stuff. So, so well thought out ideas. Um, it, it definitely has given me a lot of inspiration for sure. And and he's come out with other books and content uh, filling in things that are 5e compatible with D&D. But yeah, he's, uh, it's it's He's very passionate about the subject, which is nice to hear. Yeah, and and five E compatible for those that don't play D anD D. Just know that it, it's fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Our writer for series two and three is Jody Hauser. Hauser has a self published webcomic that actually ran from two thousand and ten to twenty fifteen called Cupcake Pow, and she created because there was a survey that went out to audiences for a desire for more female comic readers. The success of that series resulted in more work for her within the comic book industry, including work on Everwell, Womanthology Heroic, and Orphan Black. Her first solo series in 2016 from Valiant Comics called Faith would result in her being nominated for an Eisner Award for Best New Series, 
And if you're unfamiliar with the Eisners, it's basically like the Oscars of the comic book industry. Interestingly enough, Jody Hauser was involved with Twitch and YouTube channel Geek and Sundry on various projects in 2016, which is where Critical Role initially was airing their show when it was on live stream. So I'm I don't I couldn't find out the specific information, but I'm assuming that's where she came in contact with the rest of the Critical Role cast for the first time. I would assume that you are correct. <laughs> and, and, and wrapping it up, interestingly, is Olivia Sampson, who stayed on for the entire series. So she has illustrated series one, two, and three of Vox Machina Origins. And it, it's really interesting because you can kind, kind of see this progression of art style throughout the series as well. And it, it really looks amazing. Sadly, though, I couldn't find too much information on her. Online, she has the alias Fire Stash, which I think is hilarious. Uh, she's from the Faroe Islands. She's worked on the comic series Deadlier Than, which is published by Doodle Doodle. Yeah, and, and I think the big thing here is is that Critical Role is always mind talent. Um, not everything, but a lot of project stuff, you know, from their fandom. Uh, I mean, like posters and merchandise and things like that, T-shirts. Have, have all been designed by artists that are just fans. And so I think they yeah. found her having done fan art uh, of the cast and was like, and they developed this like, Hey, do you want to do this comic? And she's had comic experience. So like, what a cool way to get into the, the industry. Absolutely. As just a fan. Yeah. I mean, arguably one of the things that really helped critical role to take off as a franchise was the, the vibrancy the robustness of their fan art community, to be honest, like, mm -hmm. you know, they, they were getting this outpouring. And if you watch the early episodes, it's sort of charming now to kind of go back and watch the very early episodes from campaign one, because at the end uh, of the episodes um, for quite a while, uh, they would do, you know, something called Christmas uh, where they would kind of open up letters and fan art that they received from people and gifts that started pouring in from all over the place. And, you know, that they just kind of built on their fandom and their fan base. Um, and, you know, that's really what helped them gain the momentum to be the largest Twitch streamer. <laughs> like their channel, I think the, the stats came out recently. They had the highest number of subscriptions of any Twitch channel. Uh, in their category, I think it's within their category. Uh, it's it's just really really crazy. So that fan art part and like yeah, they they get all these talented artists, they get all these talented writers um, from folks who have been around for for a while, which is awesome. Okay, so now that we know a little bit more about the creators from the series, let's get into our poll list. And if it's not obvious enough, we're going to well, the main recommendation we're going to give for reading is going to be Vox Machina Origins series one through three. I believe uh, by the time this episode releases, I think the final issue of series three is about to come out. Issue six. Yes. And so that is going to conclude the third series. I'm not I'm not sure if they've announced if they're going to do a series four yet or not. I have not heard that. So I'm not sure, um, but I know also kind of parallel to the series that's run that has run um, was the uh, the Bright Queen arc, which was separate. Um, so I think it was like about a four issue run that was sort of like a separate story around the Bright Queen, who was a pivotal character in the second campaign. Mm -hmm. um, so that is sort of separate from the 
three main series yeah. as well. Yeah, they've been releasing various comics that are outside of just Vox Machina. But for kind of learning more about Vox Machina, you want to read Origins series one through three because all of these stories are going to be everything that happened to these characters prior to the live stream. So that's kind of the fun thing is the fact that even though as a group of like all three of us, we've watched all of Vox Machina. We've, we've seen their first full campaign of Critical Role, but there's these stories that we don't know because they've never been shown before because they weren't recording these prior. So it, it's fun for us to see how this group came together, how they work through their struggles, or maybe they have a different dynamic than they do through the, throughout the rest of their campaign. So there's a lot of fun things thrown in there that keep the big time fans excited but also give a great introduction to this this world that others might not know about yeah i I just kind of reading what you said like series one and two is definitely or series one through three are the way to go series one and two is collected in a really nice oversized hardcover collection that you can find for a pretty good price um on amazon still i think you can get it for like 40 to 45 dollars or something like that um and it's awesome it's really really cool uh and it gets you again that introduction that that lance was talking about um there are also some mighty nine origin stories um for a couple of the key characters as well again in a similar vein to the vox machina origin it's sort of an early look at some of the key characters uh from the second campaign uh and they're in some nice uh, collected um hardcover releases. There's one for Caleb Widogast uh, and one for Jester Lavore, um, who are Liam, uh, Liam O'Brien and Laura Bailey's characters, respectively, uh, in the second campaign. So there's mm-hmm. there's a good amount of, of Critical Role comic content out there. I, I would say if you if you can get the individual arcs uh, separately, that that's kind of fun because you also get some behind the scenes stuff, character <clears throat> sketches. And uh, some write-ups of like how they came up with different looks for the characters, um, the, kind of talking with the the cast, you know, who who had some input on these things. I think that's about it for the pull list. But I think we we all, in terms of the Grail finds, um, we all sort of share the same one, or at least one of them. Um, so <laughs> I I have. Uh, a an issue one uh, from series two signed by Jody Hauser. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance also has. <laughs> I also series. have, but let's let's specify though. This is the San Diego Comic Con exclusive cover for this issue is one of Campaign Two, signed yes. by Jody Hauser. Yes, and uh, I I was lucky enough to gather three of them in total <laughs> to uh, provide to Lance and Chris, um, and so we all share uh, this uh, pretty awesome little uh, little Grail find. I also uh, have a, a, a Vox Machina Origin series to uh, issue number one signed by Jody. <laughs> so odd. That's so crazy. Are you me? Um, and then I also have a. Uh, uh, co- a copy of issue one uh, from series one uh, from uh, I forget the convention that it Emerald was City Comic Con Emerald City Comic Con. Thank you. Um, in a 9.8 graded CGC, um, extremely low print, like I think less than 500. 
it had a $10 cover <laughs> cover price uh, because again, it was a very low print and they were just trying to get the, uh, the content out there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Found it for a pretty decent price a while ago before the animated series came out. And I thought, you know what? That'd be a good, uh, good investment. So I picked one up and it hangs proudly on my wall. So that's my grail find. Yeah. The book's amazing. I uh, also have something that is sort of tangentially connected to Critical Role. It's it's not comics related, but I, I I'm happy to mention it because I got to work on. Um, I, I work for a company called Beetle and Grimm's, which makes uh, premium box set accessories for D and D settings. And they recently, in the last year, got to do the Taldore campaign setting, and I was fortunate enough to work on some interior art for some of the expanded gazetteer uh that that uh, people players can get when they go into Taldori. um and this is the Taldori reborn so it's like i think it's 30 years after the events of vox machina um, like at the at the end maybe like 30 or 40 but um or maybe 60. I don't know. It's, it's a while. <laughs> it's a ways it's after. A bit after, but, it's um, a bit after. but I did a, I did a couple of sketches in some of the uh, inserts uh, that I was, I was happy to contribute with Beetle and Grimm's. And uh, I was, I was just like, I got to draw Grayskull Manor and I got to draw a, a park with Trinket in it, you know, and it was just, it was just kind of, you know, secretly nerding out like this is, this is a project. This you is, did a great so job. Yeah, you did nice. a really good job on that stuff. Cause I, I have a, a copy as well. Um, and it's, yeah. there's some really cool art in there. So it was, it was, it was, the challenge was to do it in a way that like somebody that was traveling Taldore that was kind of sketching in the sidelines would, would have done it. So it was very like ink sketchy and everything like that in an old ink pen. Um, so it was, it was fun to be part of that and hopefully we'll get to do some more stuff with them. Yeah. Do you want to explain what Taldore is? Taldore is the continent that the first campaign mostly takes place on. It's not the only one because they do jump around a little bit, but Taldore is the, is the continent world that, that um, uh, Matt Mercer came up with in his crazy head. And, and that's, it's uh, where the, yeah. So it, it's, that's, so they made, they put out a book, independent press uh, published it. And then they recently republished it with their own, with Critical Role has their own printing press uh, label called Darrington Press, and uh, they republished the book. And Beetle and Grimm's uh, was fortunate enough to get do the premium box set of that particular uh, campaign setting with lots of little handouts and cool artwork and a DM screen and uh, you know jewelry and maps and things. It's like that. super fancy. It's super fancy. Very yeah. fancy. I it's, will. But it's have if it you're forever. a fan. <laughs> if you're a fan, you want to play in Taldore, uh, I definitely recommend it. It's, it's always nice to have the inside scoop on stuff <laughs> just because we yeah. you don't tell us anything before it's announced. But usually yeah. by the time it starts shipping out, you already have a copy of it that we get to all look through. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Good times. Yeah. So we're going to move on to adaptations. And there's two big things that we're going to talk about here. There's a lot of different things that critical role itself has been part of in terms of the last couple of years with adaptations. But the two big things is basically the, what the comics were based on, which is the campaign itself and specifically the live stream of the first campaign 
on uh, Twitch and uh, Geek and Sundry originally, and then on their own channel eventually for for Campaign Two, and they've continued on that. But originally, it was on the Geek and Sundry uh, YouTube and Twitch channel. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll talk about that. And then after that, we can talk about the Legend of Vox Machina animated series on Amazon Prime. Uh, bef- before we get into that, let's let's just briefly, <laughs> briefly <Very> talk about <laughs> the uh, the the live stream that, you know, as Jeremy mentioned and Lance mentioned, like we 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 all kind of got into uh, early on. Like, I mean, how do you think this I, you know, tying it into the comics, how do y'all think it's, it, it's, it's important to see, like, are, do people need to see this stream? Cause it's like four hours each episode and there's like 116 episodes. And, uh, I actually did some math, uh, before this podcast that I felt like our readers would appreciate. Um, okay, so, so there have been a total of 1042 hours of critical role across three campaigns. Uh, if this was a 30 minute episodic series, it would be able to have been running for 42 years on a weekly basis <laughs> at this point. <laughs> the debut episode would have been in 1980 and would have been running weekly at 30 minutes every week oh until God. this point in time. Um, so just so you know. The more you know. Uh, it, it's yes. basically older than The Simpsons. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. And I mean, it's, again, it's got a lot kind of stacked in its favor. I mean, D&D sessions can go very long. Uh, they can go very short. Uh, I believe the shortest Critical Role episode recorded to date is just over three hours. Uh, and the longest Critical Role episode to date uh, is just over seven and a half. Um so that was the uh, campaign two finale, uh, which was exceedingly long uh, because they had to close up a lot of a lot of loose ends in a in a hurry. Yeah, so there's a lot. Uh, the The sheer volume of content can definitely be intimidating. However, uh, there are you know it, it it is first and foremost sort of an audio format. Um, so I know Lance, you participated in a lot of podcasts listening yeah. of critical role um so those of you who are now maybe commuting back to the office uh <laughs> this might be a good entry for you at two times speed or something to take off some of that time if mm-hmm. you want to play catch up um so yeah but the sheer volume of content definitely can be uh, uh discouraging to some but if you if you find a good way to approach it or you know read the summaries on wikipedia or uh, here's a geekly grind plug for you. Uh, we have every single episode uh, of <laughs> Critical Role reviewed at one point or another, thanks to Lance's lovely wife. Uh, I am no man who also writes for us. Um, so if you're just looking to read and catch up, you can do that too. I also got a chance to listen to it in audio. I, I watched a couple episodes with, when the first one, uh, the first uh, campaign was out, and I was behind. So I was doing a lot of catch up, but I eventually caught up before the finale of the first campaign and got to watch that live. That was the first show that I actually watched live, <laughs> which was which was a lot of fun because I was like, I finally caught up. <laughs> but yeah, I was I, it, and it holds up. I think if you are used to listening to like longer, uh, longer sci fi or, or longer fantasy novels like the Brandon Sanderson novels and stuff, if you're used to listening to that and like Jeremy said, like. If you want something that's engaging in in a in a car rides and things like that, and other people, if you're listening to it with other people, are into that sort of thing, 
great. Um, I've listened to all of them and then I've actually gone back and watched a lot of the YouTube content like in the background while I'm drawing and stuff like that. So I've been through it twice and it it's it's very entertaining. There there are a lot of dead moments, but I'd say like when you get into the characters, it's it's super entertaining just to see how it's played. And if you're new to D&D, it's kind of fun, you know, to see like how how the group comes together and how they have highs and lows and just seeing it's worth it. I mean, like the hype is real. Like Matthew Mercer is is a DM that's on his own level, you know, <laughs> like and just how he crafts the story. Um, there's there's a lot that can be said about like not every DM has to be like Matthew Mercer and and you don't. But but um, but it, it's 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 worth it to at least watch. It's it's like going to a, uh, you know, you know, Beatles concert or something like that. It's like you should yeah. definitely watch watch this because it's going to be fun. And we've all seen them live, I think. I haven't. Did mm-hmm. you ever see him? No, you, have you haven't. Seen, oh, no. He, I saw them guys, in New York. You, yeah, you guys got to go to another one, but I wasn't caught up in the campaign to watch it. But I, yeah. I, I definitely want to add to the fact that, yes, you can enjoy these in like a podcast format, like li- just listening. But it, it's just on another level if you get to if you have the time to watch it just because there's so many like facial expressions and funny things that happen and kind of things off off screen or not off screen, but things that you wouldn't be able to take in if you just listen to it. So I would definitely say if you're trying to catch up when you are commuting, yes, throw it on your, your phone just in the car. But if you're going to be at home and you have time, definitely watch it. So that all happened kind of first. That was their first big media thing. And then the comics came out sometime during the second campaign, I want to say. And then um, and it started happening a few years ago. And then recently, as of a few months ago in 2022, the animated series came out on Amazon Prime. But before we talk about that, we should talk about the super crazy, wildly successful Kickstarter that they launched. What was it in 2018? Um, it was a few years ago. And, and so they launched this Kickstarter that was like, we would like to do a half an hour special of an animated version because they all came from animation and doing voiceover. So it's sort of like a full circle thing. Like everybody's like, who's, who's going to do this animated? When is this going to be animated? So they wanted to do a half an hour special and they did a Kickstarter to raise money for enough money to, to have a proper, you know, animated special to do. And they ended up in a month in 30 days raising over $10,000 or 10 million, 10 million. <laughs> they raised, they raised uh, over 11 million. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they raised over $11 million and was able to, were able to completely fund a first season and then got picked up by Amazon prime, uh, Amazon video to, to do a second season. Um, and it's, it's uh, so that's kind of the backstory of this super crazy successful thing of like all the fandom that came together is the most successful funding of an animated show you know or, or like a live action or not a live action but like a a fandom mm-hmm. produced show i think on kickstarter um okay so this just because this was so insane at the time so this this kickstarter launched in 2019 march 4th of 2019 in eight hours they made three million dollars <laughs> in eight hours they made three million dollars eight hours yeah um and it was like they literally did a, a live kind of like 
update like status update that night and it's hilarious because you can go back <laughs> so and watch funny. it now yeah. and like <laughs> matt mercer marisha ray and travis are all like literally have like a thousand yard stare like shell shocked by they, they sit just, in silence for like three minutes <laughs> yeah and then they just start laughing and matthew mercer like is just like what the f is going on like he is just so like absolutely <laughs> floored by the outpouring of love from the community um to do this and at the time i don't know if the record's been broken yet but it it was the most successful kickstarter of all time in that category for animation Mm -hmm. um i don't know if that's been broken since um but yeah it raised a total of 11 million three hundred eighty five thousand four hundred and forty nine dollars with eighty eight thousand eight hundred eighty seven backers uh so i was one of those backers and i think all three of us were yeah yeah we, we, we were all backers at the time i have yeah, the animation cell to prove it <laughs> me too actually i do too yeah. uh but yeah it's, it's a fa- it's phenomenal phenomenal campaign so so since then the show has come out the first season of the show not the second season a couple months ago in january of this year and what did you all think we we watched a few episodes together um, we've had some time to reflect. So real briefly, you know, overall thoughts, like, is this a good entry point? Should they read the comics first? Should they listen to the lecture? Like, how? where does the cartoon fit in the pantheon of critical role media adaptations? I feel like you, if you don't know anything about critical role, you can jump into the Legend of Vox Machina and be perfectly fine. They do a yeah. great job of establishing these characters. It's expertly like voice acted because the people that created these characters are the ones voicing them. So you can like feel them at their soul are these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved the series. I couldn't get enough of it. I've rewatched it three times now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I would echo what Lance said. It, it's just really a, an amazing adaptation uh, of um, the early episodes. And what's funny is that, um, we are seeing similar to the origin comics. What was animated was not on stream. Uh, what was animated? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, what the first couple episodes weren't, and then it goes into an arc that that was on stream. That's really iconic. Um, and so again, it's just a really great way of sort of capturing um, a really kind of pivotal moment uh, for those heroes and for that arc. So. Um, just really, really great. I mean, the, the, the writing is sharp. The, the, obviously the voice acting is top notch. Um, and the animation is, is just really stellar and it is an adult cartoon. Yeah. Um, so if we have any, uh, you know, yeah. Parents out there who are like, Oh cool. Like my kids like fantasy and like, yeah. Um, it is very adult. Uh, so just know that there are very. Listen to uh, Night to the Roll Table available on the Geeky Grind <laughs> and on all podcast formats. It's family friendly. Yep. Night <laughs> to the Roll Table is a great alternative because uh, there there are some pretty uh, intense things in the animated series. That being said, um, for the right audience, it is a superb show. So, so speaking of the voice out. cast that you brought up, um, let's let's talk about them because we haven't really talked about the creators and the cast of the show, um, uh, you know arguably one of the main draws of, of this was like it, there are, there were voice actors that had some notoriety and have continued to have some notoriety throughout the making of this show. Um, so going down the lines, we have Vex is played by Laura Bailey, who played amongst many roles, Abby from the last of us Two. She's also black widow and a lot of Marvel things. 
Kid Trunks and Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <laughs> Vax is played by Liam O'Brien, who uh, has played Red Skull in Avengers Assemble cartoon. I'm trying to like mention like comics related stuff so people can be like, oh, yeah. Uh, Scanlan, uh, played uh, played by Sam Regal, was Donatello in the 2003 version of uh, TMNT of Ninja Turtles. My favorite. Yeah, that's it's one of our favorites. Those that was the big buff. Yes, one, right? they're like, ripped. Yeah, yeah. Is awesome. The super ripped one. Uh, Grog, played by Tra- Travis Willingham, was Thor in the Avengers game and various uh, Lego and Avengers projects. Um, the DM Matt Mercer was Levi in Attack on Titan, amongst many other things. Uh, Pike, played by Ashley Johnson was Ellie from The Last of Us game. She is also an actress that has been a lot of things as well. Including the waitress in Avengers. Yeah, <laughs> she has some speaking lines. She was saved by Captain America in, a, in a, a, yeah, the Avengers. So that's that's a big comic tie-in like from MCU. Um, Percy uh, was played by Talison, is played by Talison Jaffe. Uh, he has been the High Lord Darian Mograine in World of Warcraft and tons and tons of anime projects uh keyleth uh played by marisha ray was uh bad girl from bad girl spoiled which is a web series that came out about 10 years ago she's in plenty of other things too she's in a lot of other things we just we're trying to tie it into comics so so they they have all done so many things a lot of comic stuff a lot of video game stuff a lot of anime stuff and um it's it's pretty amazing i, I do want to say just my thoughts on the on the show. I love the style. I think the art is probably my favorite thing. You know, big surprise. But um, my biggest kind of wish was that I I, I wish the pacing was a little bit slower because I just love the uh, the character development uh, of the of the stream and and like just having those slow moments. And I feel like it was so breakneck speed with the half an hour, twelve episodes. I wish it was like twenty two. I wish it was like a full season like like how avatar the last airbender like took their time to complete a mission and you know and and we have little side episodes and like little things along the way on the way to whitestone or something like that i I wish it just spent a little bit more time with you know having some of those characters and side missions and stuff um i understand why they just did 12 and it was like boom 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 here it is um, it just felt a little bit rushed, but, but I mean, the voice acting was fun. There's a lot of fun cameos, a lot of like fun celebrity voices and, and the, the music was great. And, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's a fun show. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if I can say like, oh, if you haven't played D and D watch the show. Cause I, I think it's in that sense, it's like more for fans. Um, but, but it was, it's definitely fun entertaining. And like my wife who, does not play D still had a good time watching it and was entertained by it. So yeah. And I'll, I'll even play devil's advocate for the fact that it was only those 12 episodes. I feel like their character development was incredible for the amount of time that was actually shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me excited for season two. I mean, there are many reasons why I'm excited for a season two, but like, I, I feel like it could be one of those things like, uh, like Castlevania. So I don't yeah. know if you've watched the Castlevania mm-hmm. animated series, but like, yeah. The first series, the first season was like four episodes because they were like, yeah. is this even going to be a thing? Super right. For sure. Like, yeah. Is this, is this even going to turn into a franchise? And it did. And then it became yeah. like six episodes, eight episodes. So like it grew yeah. and grew. And so I'm hoping that they'll be able to do the same thing with, with Fox Mike yeah. because they're going to need they're going to need that time 
for for what comes next for sure yeah so. yeah I, yeah Seriously, i can't I'm imagine so the from a conclave and in, in 12 episodes that's yeah, that was like 50 episodes of stream content. So it's like, whoa. So now that we've learned about the creators that actually developed these characters that we love so much, let's go to. What? 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 Each issue we do what nerds do best. We share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love this week. We thought it'd be fun to decide what quote unquote superhero group would each member of Vox Machina belong to? <laughs> so what I'll say is let we'll each we'll go by one by one. We'll say the character and then we'll say what group we think that they should belong to. That's a great idea, Jeremy. Yes. Jeremy came up with this. <laughs> what if? And it immediately I was like, yes, that's the one. If you want to play along at home, uh, uh, say something on our Twitter and let us know which, which superhero group that these characters would be part of. Uh, Lance, you want to start us off? Yeah. So let's start with Grog. Let's start with the big man. I personally, I'll just pick one. Cause I had one or the other. I'm just going to go with suicide squad. This guy is always running into the fray, not afraid to die because he doesn't think he can. So yeah. I think he would fit perfectly with this intelligence squad. score of seven <laughs> yeah exactly definitely low, works out low intelligence high hit you don't get back up type of strength for grog i picked the boys oh, um because of the violence and just like if he was one of the people that got the serum and and just you know like ah, just like he's 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 probably member of the good guys or possibly the seven, you know, like, it's just like, he's just this big dude, you know, that's like an unstoppable force. So I, I, I think with the violence, I think that would match Grog really well. Uh, I had him down for Thunderbolts um, because I think uh, his, his approach uh, definitely could have him uh, on a special superhero team. That's designed to similar to the boys, like, bring in other supernatural threats and superhero threats. So, mm-hmm. um, or deemed threats, right. By, uh, right. By Ross, uh, or the military. Um, so yeah, I could see, uh, Grog on the Thunderbolts group for sure. Nice. I, that was my backup. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Next, next up we have Keyleth. I w- I put Keyleth in X-Men, uh, because I, I see her very much as a mutant who has that, that kind of ability to like turn into things and like, jump around and control plants and it, it's it just seemed very like mutiny and like she's also like discovering herself which is also kind of in that writing style yeah that's a good one who'd you pick jeremy yeah. uh i i chose uh guardians of the galaxy for keyleth um you copy because... oh sorry you told me to write them separately i'm just going off my list uh so i think that her kind of um whimsical personality like she she does kind of get more refined over time but like a lot of early keyleth is very like playful and and that sort of thing um and yeah like the tree you know traveling around like it just i think it all works for guardians of the galaxy so Mm -hmm. yes i agree (laughs) i also said and i was most excited about this one because she specifically has the ability to tree stride and i think that her getting to know about more vegetation on different planets and then they can legitimately just pop onto different planets. I thought that would be now, such a cool ability for her. Is it tree stride or is it transport via plants? Isn't it tree stride? That's, that's the one that she always got confused because tree stride is just jumping from tree to tree, but transport via plants is transporting across 
Well, then I blame my wife because I asked her which one it was, <laughs> and she said tree stride. So there probably is transport via plans. That's <laughs> Jeremy's gonna look it up. I, I I'll look it up now. Yeah. No, we we don't need to include it. it doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. I'm sure all all the all the critters are gonna let us know. Eh, it's actually this. Let me tell you. And we want you to hold it, hold us accountable. Hold us accountable. Okay. okay. Next up is Vax. Uh, I put Vax in uh, the event. Uh, Vax, I put in uh, the League of Shadows, DC, um, under Raz Al Ghul. You know, I just, I, I, I thought I was like, you know, kind of like how Cassandra Kane or Damian Wayne was like part of League of Shadows. I was like, okay, he's he would, like, what's the Assassin Guild of 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 the comics world? And that's kind of what I, I, I yep. thought of. I, I have Vax in West Coast Avengers. Of course you do. <laughs> because I don't, I don't think he could hold it in like full Avengers, but like West Coast Avengers, I think he and Hawkeye would have a lot of fun messing around with each other. And yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I had him obliterated. <laughs> no, I think he'd do okay. I think he'd do okay. Um, so yeah, I, I put him in the West Coast Avengers because I don't know something about his persona and his skill set seems like it would fit well with the group. Uh, I put him in the Black Lantern Corps, and I will not elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I will not be answering any further questions at this time. Please move along. Fair enough. Well, uh, Vax's sister Vex. Uh, I I put Vex in the Avengers because she got to have that Stark money, you know. Okay. She yeah. likes she mm-hmm. likes good technology. She likes deals, and she's she's going to be the uh, creative negotiator for the group. All right, Lance, you go first on this one. I don't want to steal it. You stealing my thunder again with this one? I I threw her in Birds of Prey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. We we think too similarly. I think she would fit wonderfully well in that group. Yeah, seriously, I would love to see a movie <laughs> Birds of Prey with Vixalia and. Harley and everybody. She would murder hobo everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. she would. It'd be awesome. Um, all right, who's next? Let's go, Percy. Uh, Illuminati, hundred percent. Like the minute, the minute I thought of this, I was that. That's what made me think about it. Was mm-hmm. like he absolutely would be in a group that has to make the hard choices uh, because mm-hmm. only he can make the hard choices, as far as he's concerned. Like he's the yes. only one smart enough to do it. Chris, I picked uh, the the BPRD, the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. Uh, I, I just see him as like making all the different things that Hellboy uses. Like he's the tinker of the group. Every once in a while, I'll come on a mission, just poof, you know, vampires, bam, bam, like and just. I, I think he just fits so well with a um, a spooky investigator kind of vibe. So I would love to see that. Yeah, that's a great one. I went with Midnight Suns, and if you've watched, oh, nice. if you've watched Legends of Vox Machina, you know exactly why he fits into that world. That's fun, yeah. Or Moon, or Moon Knight, <laughs> recently. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, next up, let's do Scanlan. Uh, for Scanlan, I, I, okay, I'm gonna pick. <laughs> I had a few, but I'm gonna pick Deadpool Core, and 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 this is why <laughs> is because I just see. Scanlan is talking to the fourth wall a lot like he he's pulling in references of like modern, you know, kind of stepping outside of the world a little bit. So I, I saw him as like, well, Deadpool doesn't, uh, you know, it'd be fun to have like a singing version of Deadpool. Like so just a little gnome guy with a Deadpool mask and like <laughs> Bardpool, like he would, Bardpool. Just, yes. he would he would be the singing uh. bard Deadpool 
and just singing, you know, pop hits and stuff like that. I just think, you know, that's what they that's what they need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. Or the announcer subclass that I sent to you guys in text oh, yeah. the other day. Yeah. I could totally see him doing yes. that, uh, just like announcing the play by play during fights and stuff. But I um I had him in Suicide Squad, uh, because mm. He's just so chaotic and zany. Uh, I think he would fit very, very well uh, with the Suicide Squad. That's so. a good one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I put him in uh, A-Force because I think he just wants to be around <laughs> the ladies all the time. Uh, <laughs> he would, he would cast this guy's person. And <laughs> yes, he would, be... he would pretend to be a woman and stay in A-Force. He would be sexy, yeah. sexy lady Scanlan, and uh, it's like an '80s raunchy comedy, like one of the girls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one of the gals. I love it. The quickest way for Scanlan to get canceled. Last one is Pike. Uh, Lance, why don't you start us off? So I actually went with the Fantastic Four because I really oh. love it when there's the different people that are in Fantastic Four. So mm-hmm. my grouping would be Pike, She-Hulk, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. Oh. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't think it out that much, um, but I put Pike with the Eternals um, because she's she's very dedicated to her god, right? Saren Ray. So uh, I just kind of see this sort of connection to and and worship of her god as and, and just like her power level as putting her in the same sort of grouping as uh, as the Eternals. So I like that. Uh, I, I made Pike one of the princesses of power from the She-Ra, um, but kind of based on the most recent Netflix She-Ra cartoon, which is amazing, by the way, has great representation of LGBT. Uh, and um, I just like she they're all very unique. They all have their kind of like quirks and stuff like that. So I just saw her as like that would be a fun group to be a part of very like uh, female protagonist heavy. And and um, and she just would fit in well with like somebody that has like these great morals but but still chaotic and weird and and they all have to kind of work together and that sort of thing um yeah yeah go shira fans out there There it's a great show (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and and now we have fan casted our entire teams of fox (laughs) mock i'm i'd be i'm interested to see if any of your listeners have have thoughts so i hope that you guys tweet to oh i will definitely be I'll throw out that tweet and see if if there's some Fox Machina fans that want to cast yeah. them in their own teams. I I would yeah, love no. to hear people's ideas. I'm curious. I'm really curious. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure people will will jump into that. Well, if it's not obvious enough, we really love Critical Role, and for me especially, Vox Machina. Yeah, we're a little we're a little biased. I mean, it's it's a it is an amazing show. It's definitely influenced my D and D love and, and now career and, and drawing stuff, you know, and it kind of started with, with this group and, or even people that listen to it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very like thankful for, for the show and, and, and for the comics, I think it's just, it's just fun to see it come into a medium that means a lot to me and to, to, to both of you as well. I mean, it's, it's kind of fun just to see that, have that connection and read some of these early, early stories that I was worried it was going to be like, you know, like, uh, you know, level one through three characters are not mm-hmm. going to be that interesting. And it's like, they actually did a really fun job, like showing, showing things that, that they can do. And it wasn't so much about the power sets or, or like, or the fights. It was like just 
how bumbly they are. And, you know, that's what makes comics good is when, when you have these dysfunctional family characters coming together. Uh, of course you have that, th- th- I, we didn't really talk about it, but like there is that classic, um, all of them are fighting each other. They all kind of come into the, the dungeon at the same time. And there's even a panel where it shows like sort of a and d map overhead and it shows like two of them here and two of them here. And they're all sort of coming into the same room and they all come together and they're like, the twins are fighting. They're like, ah, and then a, a real villain comes in and they have to all jump together and fight the villain. And that's kind of what brings them together. Very Avenger style. So it's uh, it, it's that's a classic comic-y kind of thing where they're, you know, all the heroes are fighting, but then, like, oh, now we got to switch. So they did that. They did that well. Yeah, they did. I love the comic. I strongly recommend anyone, even if you know nothing about Critical Role, read the comic because it is funny, witty, mm-hmm. smart. It, it, it is so freaking funny. Like, I cannot believe how good the writing is in it. And the art is very fun. It's pretty fun. There, there's a nice little nod to D&D in there every once in a while as well, like, some some D and D fans will recognize the the classic image, and I think it was on uh, either the one, Monster Manual, the one where they're pushing the the red jewels out of Moloch's the statue of Moloch's uh, eyes, and the episode in the first arc where Grog and Scanlan are uh, defeated some like frog monster or something like that, and you see like uh, them trying to do something similar. It's not Moloch, but it's a it's a statue with big red jewels and Scanlan's like I bet that'll make a great story <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's very much like ah, I recognize that but yeah so that that's a deep pull and before we close up I just want to give a shout out to our friends over at Tencent Takes Podcast they're actually doing a three-part series about a dive into the early history of D&D's presence in comics and how it laid the groundwork for what we have today. So they're they're really good friends over there. So I strongly suggest one, just checking out their show, but especially these episodes, if you are interested in learning more about D&D and comics. Yeah, awesome. There's some there's some good D&D comics out there. Pathfinder has a whole series and uh, there are some actual D&D branded comic storylines that sort of tie into some of the modules that they've put out so um with some some amazing art one of my favorite artists uh does the art for that okay so it's time to close the book on vox machina origins so until next time this is chris and lance and jeremy reminding you to keep your friends close but your comic books closer is it thursday yet yeah there it is (laughs) 